Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack. I am your host, Josh Scar. You're listening to Talking Smack, superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. And joining me this week against his will is Lewis. Lewis, thank you so much for finally coming on the show. And I mean, I was on the first ones, unless that's predated stuff. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's all available, but you've been really hesitant to make the time to be on the show. So I'm giving you a little bit of shit. uh, Give me shit all you want. That's that's fine. I'm I'm, I'm a parent um, and I have yet to with one child have yet to figure (laughs) out time management. So kudos to you with a third and uh, being able to do this. I yeah, no. My my child's at grandma's tonight. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> it is all about the partnership. My partner, she takes care of them for 45 minutes to an hour every day. And then I just sacrifice sleep, which, you know, I'm not a big fan of, but I do it for the fans, the whole seven people listening to us. <laughs> sacrifice. Yeah, no, I, I get you. But no, it, it's by the time kids down, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a late retail worker. So by the time kids down, I, it's. It's decompressed, and both the wife and I just, just no, no energy for anything. So I, I hear you. If I still was in in that kind of retail business, I would, I would be done every day too. It's just such a mental grind. Yeah, it, it's different than what you and I were used to back in the day when we both worked together. But yes, same, same strain applies. I've heard, the, I've heard some of those stories. People walking into your place of business, acting like it's a car dealership. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not as often. Uh, it's not as often as uh, one would think, but it does happen. But still, compared to where you and I came from, I will take that <laughs> every day and every night. I just love the idea of people walking in like, I'll pay cash. And <laughs> every like, what's the difference between that and debit anymore? Nothing. Yeah, yeah. What if I pay you cold, hard cash? Like, cool. Still costs the same. <laughs> so we doing it this? It processes or? a little faster. <laughs> hey, worse. I don't have change to dole out to you. So you still want to pay cash or what? <laughs> Otherwise, you're just going to give me a big old tip. Tips are nice. Those are taxable, though, so (laughs) it's a give and take. It's not official, so there is nothing to tax. (laughs) Ha-ha. Touche. So, Lewis is here to talk about the 60th animated feature from the Walt Disney Studio company. No, division of the Walt Disney Company, (laughs) I guess, uh, to fumble over that into a small recovery. Nice. Uh, which that movie is Encanto. Mainly, the the big thing that it comes out of it is that Lin Manuel Miranda wrote the the soundtrack. It is a movie based out of Colombia, or like the setting is based out of yep, Colombia. Yep. Very well represented of its uh, indigenous people. And the the one thing I really loved about this movie, which I'm I mean I'm jumping the gun, but one thing that you kind of get with some of these movies where like kind of Moana. There are skin tone differences, but they're minor. Whereas with this one, you have lighter skinned colored people, you have darker skinned colored people, and they just live together because that's that's Colombia, that's South America, yep. that's how that area is. And that's one thing that I really loved about this movie is that it it did a great job of representing those people and not making a big deal out of it within itself. Absolutely. And that's just on surface level situation too. No no pun intended since we're talking about skin color. But yeah, it's it that's just on the surface level if you're uh, if you're actually from the area, uh, like myself, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Venezolano, uh, so I am Colombia's uh, neighbor, essentially. Uh, I did grow up there for the six, six years of my life, uh, so I do have a bit of that there in me, still in memory, still still resides in me. Uh, but yeah, it, it's what you know. If you're listening in the States, it's it's everybody's got different skin colors and different regions and dialects and all that, and uh it doesn't matter. We just live in one country, and that's it. Then the the other stuff that was good there, as far as representation, was uh, in regard to the food, uh, the dress, the uh, the dresses, the, the the not just for females, but for males as well. For the the building architect, all that stuff, uh, and the unfortunate part of the you know the sad part of the story of how how the family comes to be. Like that's all something that comes from the, the violence. Uh, you know, I have I have Colombian friends who would always uh, talk about that. It's just the violence that's that that's just goes around the country I'm, i can't speak to it now but uh it was definitely a big thing when and unfortunately it's a big thing in a, a lot of south uh, south american countries not to get all negative about it great great things about the uh, about the continent obviously but they have their flaws just like we do over here well said so if you haven't listened to a review episode from us before the way we do this is we talk what we liked what we didn't like and if we can we'll try to avoid spoilers no promises but in the case of this movie 
I felt like the the marketing really did not give us a lot of what this movie was going to be. And I think that is because the plot is pretty quickly evoked into the movie. It's it, The movie rolls at a pace, too. It, it, it runs off really quick. So we are going to go full spoilers on this. So if you don't want to be spoiled for Encanto, go boot up your Disney Plus watch Encanto. Come back in about an hour and 45 minutes and listen to this episode again. Yeah, I thought we were joking. I said no promises. <laughs> well, I, I said no prom. We don't have to worry about promises because we're saying no. We're saying spoilers. Up Josh, front, I so. said no promises. <laughs> <laughs> I feel threatened. <laughs> I will reach through this monitor microphone. I don't know. Anyway. Internet. What? What? Fiber cables or fiber network? I don't know. Comcast. Not sponsored by Comcast. Though Comcast, no, if you're listening Comcast. and you're not now, since he said fuck, fuck you. Comcast, so you know. There you go. <laughs> I mean, if you want to give me money to do this podcast, there's a sellout I was looking for. Higher speed internet. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. Anyway, enough of that. I'll let you continue. I'll deal with those rolling promotional bullshit rates that they offer. <laughs> so, yeah, spoilers for Encanto. Tangent over. We'll start with what we liked. Lewis, please go ahead with what you liked or maybe even loved about Encanto. What I liked the movie. All right, you're up. <laughs> no seriously though the, the 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 movie was was amazing again pretty much what i touched on in the beginning the represent the representation was amazing and and uh, when i did see the movie i actually took my son uh to go see the movie and um and invoked some reactions from him uh me being the only spanish speaker you know i, I married a, a an american woman speaks no spanish uh, my family's down in florida i'm up in the midwest he has absolutely no i am his spanish outlet and it invoked some reactions from him in Spanish, which then I gushed about sobbing in theater and then gushed about it on social media when my friends all saw that. And, and, and I guess that's why I'm here. But in any case, uh, the movie was fantastic. Again, the representation was on there. The the animation itself, right there, I just want to talk on that. Like the animation itself, there were times with the dresses, especially on, on the ladies, where I forgot I was even watching animation. I don't know. I don't know if that got caught your eye at all. While you were watching the movie, you just got entranced by the way the dresses moved and flowed naturally as possible, the way they were woven and all that stuff. Uh, so that that alone, I, I loved about the movie. The music was phenomenal. God, where do I stop, man? <laughs> like, where do you want me to go with this? There's no. There's really no real bad place to stop. You could just keep going, and uh, I don't think I quite caught the the movement of the dresses. I feel like that's something Disney has really nailed for a oh, while man. now. Like, he- even but more the, so now. The embroidery and everything, uh, like on, on Mirabelle's uh, costuming, for lack of a better word, the embroidery is just fantastic. Like You can see the strings and the yep. stitches. You can see the, the threading and everything. It, it's it's fantastic. Everything with Mirabel and, uh, and the rest of the family. Like if you if you if you can go back into it, you know, load up Disney Plus and go frame by frame when you have like the big scenes and they really and when you start realizing that they're focusing the dress movement on there, um, you can really zone in on it and just be ridiculously impressed to how much love and tender care they put just on that alone. And the fact that this movie was largely developed during quarantine is also a testament to the labor of love that a lot of Dude, these animators right? had it in it. But yeah, that's one of the things that, that that's cool about the, uh, the representation of, of the region. And you go to Reddit, you'll see people, you know, also from the area actually talking about things like, oh, man, they really touched on this and they really touched on that. So uh, obviously they had people from that area working on the movie, so they were able to do that. But it's just really nice. And I'll talk to you about that later. But representation freaking matters <laughs> for anybody who says otherwise. Eat a dick. But no, besides that, obviously the music was phenomenal. Uh, pacing was a little harsh at times, like went real quick, slowed down, and then sped up to a high click. As this tradition now for Disney Animation Studios and Pixar or whoever's working in animation anymore, there's that those heartstrings that they want to pull on, and they 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 nail that right as well. Uh, this time, it uh, unlike uh, you know other movies like Up, where they did it in the first three minutes, they, they held on to it towards the end at least. I, I love the heck out of this movie. You know, they're trying to do the whole representation thing. Uh, Coco did it very well as well. That was that was Pixar, though. I think you know. I know you said, "Oh, with the dresses and all that, uh, they've been getting better and better." Like, yeah, it was great in Coco, and 
with this one, holy cow, dude. Wow. It's just me gushing. I'm not a professional professional uh, a critic. So if that went everywhere and nowhere at the same time, you're correct. <laughs> we, we are not professional anythings here. We just enjoy talking nerd stuff, and it's an excuse for us to actually get together and talk this stuff. So that's, that's what we're here for. <laughs> so like, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm as white as the snow on the ground. True uh, story. Just a little hairier. True story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, I agree 100%. I, I have nieces and nephews who are half Latino and, uh, or Latinx, I guess would be the, the proper term. Yeah. <laughs> I won't get into that, but eh, I, I respect that. But eh. I, I understand that that's supposed <laughs> to be the proper term. So I, I want to try and use it. You're good. Uh, that kind of representation for them, I, I really appreciate. They're older now, so maybe they don't care. But again, they, they're they going to have kids someday, and maybe that will kind of trigger something for them. But I, I agree wholeheartedly that the story is fantastic. The last 10 minutes are, are just a great heartstring moment. If, you're, if you have any kind of family ties at all, you're going to feel something in those last 10 minutes and it's it's fantastic the things i really enjoyed about this movie is yeah the animation's great the costuming is fantastic i mean i I love diving into cultures of places i don't know about like that's kind of where i really enjoyed moana i really enjoyed most of that aspect of raya raya left a lot to be desired from a storytelling standpoint but the 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 costuming and the the design work is fantastic in raya that that's yeah that's all raya had going for it raya was awful 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 um just (laughs) not to not to not to go into a rant about something else altogether but comparatively though man it's night stark night and day difference between uh, Raya and and uh, uh, and Encanto, but at the same time, I know uh, Raya also suffered from being stuck in uh, pandemic uh, development. So maybe they they got their shit down with this one. I don't know. I really couldn't say. One thing I will I will speculate. I, I, I obviously can't concede or acknowledge anything with Raya, but I do feel like there is uh, like a tonal shift in the story at some point that maybe there was a pandemic rewrite and they just were like, we're just gonna go with it. So I I don't know. I didn't get it at one point in the story. I got that at many different beats in this uh, as the movie played out. Just no consistency. But again, we're not here to talk about that movie. Yeah. So, uh, and com- compare <laughs> comparison. Encanto's night and day. Then then right. Yeah. If, the if, if we're gonna if we're gonna bash on Raya, we need Beppo here for that one. <laughs> what did did she did she did she like? She did not like. We're, okay, we're gonna. Okay. We did the uh, the lost episode. Episode twenty six was supposed to be our uh, Disney movies by era. So like our favorite movie from each era of Disney, and we got to talking mm. to. We we were talking about the uh, post Lassiter era, and we were st- we were talking about Raya, and Beppo just went off for a good like three <laughs> to five minutes, and Alex and I were just yeah. kind of like, all right, let her roll, which we are planning on redoing that episode. It'll be episode, I, I can't promise what episode it will be, but it'll be essentially be uh, episode like 26.2, and it'll just be released sometime in in the not too distant future. Uh, so the, the story of Encanto I really enjoyed because to be blunt, I did find some similarities to the story in Moana to Encanto where it's kind of, there's a familial disagreement that in Moana, it's the, the problem is solved through a journey that Moana takes on her own when she could just talk to her parents. <laughs> but in, when in Encanto, uh, Mirabelle does do what Moana could have done, which is talk to the family and that, through talking with the family, she rebuilds relationships that she didn't even know was broken and the problem is solved, which again, maybe, maybe we won't spoil it. Who knows? No, but, but the major difference there though, in comparison is that Mirabel went to, went, went to Abuelalma and tried to talk to her, but at the same time, which is very, very true of very many Latino families, the, the abuela, the grandma was both like the strength of the family and the problem in the family. So, Unlike well, Moana had the you know the, the the father who didn't want to let her do anything, but all you know if she actually tried to sit down and have a talk and not just have a teenage fit and go on her own journey, might have been, I mean about it tries and I was like no talk to the hand because this ain't you know we ain't hearing it, um, and it's it's very familiar. You talk to very many Latino families, I'll tell you the same thing. There's this one you know either patriarch or matriarch of, of the family who like holds everything together. They always mean well. They do well. 
Uh, they're doing everything great, you know, good intentions for the greater good of the family. But then it's always high pressure stuff, which they talk within the uh, uh, within the movie as well with uh, um, with all the family members. Uh, like, um, oh my goodness, I forgot, Luisa, uh, for example, the pressure thing sits there. It, it rings so true with a lot of Latino families. There's always something there within the family that holds everything together, but also applies so much pressure to make sure everything's running well that will also unknowingly push the family away uh, and the family's too scared to speak up and say anything about it. So when Mirabel does, shit goes downhill. There you go. Luisa is also a really great vessel for lack of a better term uh to kind of parallel what's going on with the casita where she's so strong she's able to like help out everything and anyone in the village and she's got the these internal cracks that are causing her to have like self-doubt and the casita is not having any self-doubts but because of the familial internal issues it's causing the casita to crumble and it's it, it she is a really good uh, meta like out external metaphor for what is happening but obviously she can only do so much as far as like what is happening and to the uninitiated uh like asita that's the the the, the house this it's, it's literally translates to the little house uh which uh there there's we should probably give a synopsis huh a candle <laughs> uh magic candle comes up and 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 uh, uh you know saves uh saves the family that were running away from violence in in, in Colombia whisks them away to this magical area builds its own house the people can refuge there and it essentially grew into a community uh the house is alive cuz it's being run by this magic candle and reacts to Mirabel mostly Mirabel actually I don't know, I just realized that I mean, the, the house doesn't really talk to anybody else or try or communicate with anybody else. Yeah, she she relies more on the house, the casita to help because she has no powers. Whereas everyone else no just powers, kind of right. is like, oh yeah, the, we have powers and we have our own special rooms that the casita gave us, but they don't really acknowledge or appreciate it at this point anymore. Exactly. Yeah, because they got their gifts, so the hell with everything else. It's 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 regular life at this point. So, but yeah, no, that's it. She definitely does represent that part of the of the entire movie and also she's she's able to throw herself into as the as the viewer yes the viewer isn't super strength but if the viewer also isn't per se um of of descent of latino descent anything like that they can understand these familial situations they can understand through her being pressured you know we've all felt some pressure before whether it's our immediate family or or or, or friends circles bosses whatever uh and that was a great moment there to to put her put the viewer into the movie to be like ah, i get what's going on at least that's how i see that you've obviously given it a lot more thought than i have as far as some of these things <laughs> i mean i i sat down and watched it on christmas eve with my family so i'm i'm a couple weeks removed from having seen this uh the movie is really wonderful and one thing that really surprised me as we talked about the the marketing wasn't really thorough with this but they did kind of show little bits here and there through the trailers and the TV spots. But the movie does largely take place within the casita and within like their little town. Uh, yeah, I was expecting Mirabel to go on this big adventure, but she was literally just going room to room in the house, which the house is or the, the casita is also uh, kind of like a TARDIS where it can create rooms and the rooms are bigger on the inside. Right. Right, and that's 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 where the the gifts are born essentially. From the sounds of it, at every what fifth or sixth birthday, uh, abuela gives uh, the 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 upcoming to be child a candle, walking up to the uh, to the top of the steps where the casita will welcome them into their new room and thus uh, um, thus beholding them with their new gift. And then with our main protagonist Mirabel, she walks up and gets nothing. But it turns out she has her own gift within herself, which uh, in turn is keeping the family together but uh but yeah essentially that's pretty cool about it. you know you open a door and you'll have you know just a, a small room with just a bunch of flowers from one of the one of the sisters you open up another room from the newly gifted uh, uh antonio who has a big like jungle room where he can talk to his animal friends and all that so so yeah it is pretty cool how it just it, it changes to suit the the the, the gifty which is kind of cool and their powers uh fun fact speaking of the animals Alan Tudyk is the voice of the toucan in this movie. <laughs> really? Yeah, he provides the uh, some of the animal noises so he can keep his John Ratzenberg style cameo appearances in Disney animated features. <laughs> That's where, amazing. Where he's 
John Ratzenberger is the uh, the Pixar guy. So huh. he was gotcha. Hey Hey in Moana, and he was Tuk Tuk in Raya, and now he he's just got a, a whole list of animals, both fake and mythical and real. I had no idea about that. That reminds me of Clooney being Sparky in South Park. <laughs> that's <no>. that's right. <laughs> Bring it up a 30-year reference, or almost 30 years. Hey, man. It eventually landed him the doctor role in the movie, so, you know, he really loved South Park that much. Uh, that, that Clooney guy, that South Park did so much for him. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was a nobody. So uh, one thing I did want to bring up is uh, at the time of this recording, the soundtrack for Encanto has dethroned Adele's 30 as the number one soundtrack on the Billboard Top 200. And the song We Don't crazy. Talk About Bruno is like number five on the Billboard charts right now. But Disney didn't submit that song as their best original song. They did uh, Dos Ogoritos. Oruguitas. Uh, uh, or, or, Oruguitas. Oruguitas, which, which, which stands for uh, Little little Caterpillar, uh, which which astounds me. Like, I, I guess they're going for the, they submitted it because they want to go for the heartfelt sound. And I have a cat here on the side, so I apologize if you hear the cat. Um <laughs> But uh, I guess they're going for the heartfelt sounds, uh, the the one that's supposed to kind of like bring you in type of situation. Great song. Don't get me wrong. I was sobbing like an idiot. But uh, weird choice considering what the other one's doing. Again, at the time of this recording, the the Golden Globes have been announced and the winners have been announced. So Encanto won Best Animated Feature, but it did not win for the Best Original Song with um, Luis Dos dos Oga Oh, oh. <laughs> Do, dos oruguitas. Oruguitas. I don't know why I I want to say ogu something. <laughs> ogu. <laughs> <laughs> but Billie Eilish won for her uh, No Time to Die song. That's cool. I think my reaction there kind of kind of gives it away as to why they didn't win. They chose the wrong song. <laughs> Which seems to be, I mean, when I, I think Disney's really trying to get Lin-Manuel Miranda that EGOT. He, he needs his Oscar. And so, like you're saying, they're probably trying to to play up to the sentimentalism of the voters. And I mean, Moana should have won with "How Far I'll Go." I don't remember what won that year, but "How Far I'll Go" is an amazing song, and in my opinion, should have won the Academy Award. But also, Hell, I would have I would have given it to them for "You're Welcome." I mean, uh, <laughs> <a> full stop. <laughs> like it's a dumb song, but it's a good song. I, that I mean, that would be along the lines of um, the first Suicide Squad movie winning Best Makeup. And then everyone freaking out that the suicide the the 2016 Suicide Squad is now an Academy Award winning movie. <laughs> the rocks the song The Rocks sang is now an Academy Award winning song. Hey man, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's not a whole lot to not like about this movie because again, our review system is what you like, what you didn't like. If I am gonna say anything about what I did not like is I really wish Disney would go back to more stylized animation. We've kind of been in this Mm. rut of Disney trying to be more natural looking with their, their animation or their, their -hmm. character designs. Like ever since Rapunzel and Tangled, we've just kind of continue continuously. Like we have more body types, especially with like Louisa being this enormous bodybuilding character. Uh, and then you've got uh, was it is it Felix is the the uncle that married into the family? Yes, yes. Um, and which, you know he's a little which, he's a shorter and a little more rotund. Which which totally reminded me of of my tío Ricardo. So that was another unintended <laughs> heartstring. Uh, may he rest in peace. Mm. Um, that 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 movie totally tugged on for me. So, uh, but yeah, no, that's I, I, I'll agree with that to a point. Um, I think what ended up happening with Disney is since Rapunzel. Uh, or tangled uh, came through like they found and it's something we talked about back then you and i that they found their their disney art style from 2d to 3d and nailed it with tangled and they they've just taken that and that's like it's their mold it's it's their their main mold and then if you want to produce a new animated movie you take that and then you stylize it to a way because you can't deny that encanto still has its own style within the characters not just by character build but just the character style and the, the, some of them, you know, uh, Bruno has a big old schnoz. Uh, Felix is, uh, it's got the, uh, you know, his, his stocky kind of look type of thing. It's, it's his own style. And you look back at Moana, kind of same thing. It, it's, it's its own style, but very, 
uh, in tune to the defaults, if you will. There's an actual word for it, not an animator, though I know I've heard the word. Uh, but, you know, it, it's the, the, the mainframe, if you will, still there. Uh, but I get what you're saying. I, I just don't know if Disney wants to rock that boat. It's working for them, you know? It's a, it's a very old school kind of mentality where I'm thinking you've got, you go from like Cinderella to Sleeping Beauty to mm-hmm. like Robin Hood. And like, those are three very different animation styles. For sure. But then you also go to The Little Mermaid in 1989 through, I mean, you could say Pocahontas is a little different because characters are a little more angular. Uh, yes. But like from... Little Mermaid 2, then I guess Aladdin. It's a very Disney look. They they kind of, like you said, they, they found that mold and they just kind of animated everything in a very similar fashion. I think the one thing, though, that Disney hasn't found... Well, no. No, it's Utopia. So, no, scratch that thought. I was about to say, like, oh, you know, the difference is with Robin Hood, you go into the whole, uh, you know, uh, um, the, the, the Animorph stuff or whatever you want to call it. Uh, anthropomorphic. And then, and then anthropomorphic, thank you. Uh, and then you have Lion King, which didn't do it. So I guess they, they have had that, that, that moment of change. They nailed it with Zootopia. They had their opportunity with the redo of the Lion King, but they wanted to do what? Oh, it's live action, not live action, Lion <laughs> King. Hey. I still love that they, w- they refused to submit that as a, a best animated feature because they're like, no, it's our live action movie. Freaking idiots. God. <laughs> the, the audacity of that shit, man. It sucks too because it, it, it stales some pretty good performances there uh, uh, cast-wise. Uh, it just stales it out because people don't want to acknowledge that damn movie. But whatever. They did what they did. Yeah. That's that's the beauty of being Disney is if you can, if you can fail upward, people will just forget about it and you keep the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Very sad way of putting it, but a good way of putting it. <laughs> the other thing that for me, again, that I, I didn't necessarily, again, I don't want to say that I didn't like it because it's it's something that just kind of stuck out to me that I, I didn't mm-hmm. take as like a great thing was the very Lin-Manuel Miranda-ness of the songs, which I mean, that's, uh, yes. that's what people are paying if, if they're paying money at all to go see this. That's what people are, are there for, for the songs at least, <laughs> is if full, you full, know that Lin-Manuel Miranda is there you're there to hear Lin-Manuel Miranda songs. You're not going, right. you're not going to uh, a Neil Diamond concert and you're going to ask <laughs> him to play um, Green Day or something, you know? <laughs> full, full disclosure, I had no fucking clue he wrote any of the songs. I'm not that kind of nerd that's fully invested into the ins and outs who wrote it, whatever. Once I learn, I, I kind of like learn it and then forever goes into my brain compartment and can pull that information if need be. But I don't go looking for who wrote, who sang, who composed on, on anything from movies to TV shows to comic books. If I hear about it and it's some, you know, some dude who's, who's egregious, like the creator of Earthworm Jim is a total douchebag. Uh, cool. I'll make sure to stay away from it if I ever see his name pop up. But but yeah, that's that's what calls me in is the 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 not to take away from the art, but the final product is what pulls me in. I'm I'm your I'm your everyman nerd. I uh, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. Um, I forget how that finishes because it would make me look good. <laughs> but there you go. Uh, so with that being said, the the soundtrack was phenomenal, whether you're looking for him or not. I know that you, I know you said you have your, your gripes on that, though. But uh, which what, what were those again? Sorry. Uh, so some of the gripes I had was, was just uh, some of the the like compositions of the songs. Just they felt very recycled from like Hamilton or Moana mm. or other things that he's right. done. And then again, he just he has his type like uh like if you listen to the green album of Weezer and the blue album of Weezer, you're going to be like, okay, I get what you're doing here. You're doing, you're doing intro chorus, second verse, chorus, guitar, solo chorus done. It wash, rinse, repeat every song on the album. They're different, but they're the same. Right. It's like there, there's a structure to a Lin-Manuel Miranda song. And even though it sounds different, you can see, you can hear it. You can see it. And yeah. I, I think it's, I'm not again. It's I'm not a signature saying, essentially. Exactly, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying that I didn't like it. The only song mm-hmm. I really that didn't resonate with me, which I can see why people like it, is the Surface Pressure song by Louisa. I just yeah. the tempo of it and everything just didn't click with me. But I can understand where people really enjoy it, and the the lyrics are fantastic. The sequence is fantastic. It just the if you take the song as it is and you remove everything else around it. 
I just I wouldn't pick that song to listen to on a regular basis. Uh, right. the, the Family Madrigal, I would listen to. My oh, I have that, listened to amazing. several times because, among other things, my kids are like, "We need to listen to this one." <laughs> it it, ma- it makes me want to dance. I'm not gonna, and I'm not a dancer, but it it, it, <laughs> it brings out it brings out that side of me. It just wants to. I'm one of those that enjoyed. I enjoyed every single sound uh, 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 piece of the soundtrack. Um, so like, I have no qualms there. Uh, on your first analogy, your, your problem there is that you listen to Weezer. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> uh, but, uh, in any case, like, I, I get what you're saying. You're saying you want to destroy my sweater. Well, just hold this thread and walk away. What happened? Uh, you, okay. You really just, <laughs> you really just added me as a really bad Weezer fan. They do that sweater song. Like if you want to destroy my sweater. <laughs> Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Way to ruin my joke. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just hold uh, this thread as I walk keep... away, okay? Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> as I pull this one. As you still don't get the joke. <laughs> I, I do I do get it. I just have nowhere to go with it. <laughs> Those are the best jokes, the ones you can't run with. Nah, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... But I pull the thread as I pull the sweater or whatever the fuck. Uh, I hate Weezer so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> nope, it's absolutely fine. I, I again grew up. I was teen when they were big, so they they kind of just became a big thing in in my circle of people that I knew, and so I I know a bunch of their songs. No, that's that's good. It's, it's it's in your timeline. That's that for my timeline was Green Day with Dookie. So, but it, it um. And, uh, blah, 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 blah. Buzz. music in Encanto. Um, <laughs> yeah, the um, I love the whole album. Um, the the Luisa sequence I can get because it really it does really shy away from everything else. It's got that 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 hip hop beat to it, which apparently Lin Manuel did that in um, uh, Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton. Thank you. Why I keep I don't know why I keep forgetting <laughs> the damn name. It's because um, you haven't seen it yet. Again, it's fantastic. I haven't you seen it yet. See exactly. It. Yes, I haven't seen it yet. But I can see I can see why. Like it takes away from everything else. Uh, but like it was still, yeah, the sequence was amazing. My main, my main gripe with the movie, like I said, I think would be the pacing. It just, it just, it wants to do so much in 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 ninety minutes or so. Uh, there's a lot of jumping around. Like the main, the main one, for example, is um, you know getting to Bruno's room. Like nice long sequence, getting there, build up. Oh my god, great, cool. You get to see him on the inside. He says "sana sana culito de rana," which is a very big, like South American thing for when you get hurt and you want to make. Sure it's, sorry, I'm gonna go into rants on that, uh, but it was awesome. Again, representation matters. And then that was a long sequence, and then all of a sudden, cool. The first thing you have to do is, oh, you have to make amends or, or, or hug it out with your sister, and that was, boom in, boom out, done. Like three minutes that sequence. Like what just happened? Yeah, it was literally just an excuse to get a song out. Uh, it was just really strange. yeah yeah like so the pacing was really off for me not by much but it but it, but it was off at times besides that that's really my only complaint about it um i don't uh i i didn't see any any disconnects really much anywhere there's a lot of little things that if you if you go back and see it which i know i haven't but you know i i'm on the internet i'm a nerd so i get on reddit and see other people's opinions and the stuff that they found like when like when they're uh, i don't know if you saw this when they're singing about bruno you know, you want to talk about Bruno, he's up there in the rafters somewhere in Casita, kind of hopping up and down to the beat. That's him. Like, he's there <laughs> as, as yeah, uh, um, because he's, you know, he's in he's in the walls. He wants to stay away from the family, but he's always watching. He wants to be a part of the family because he loves his family. What was the other one? Uh, God, there was another big one. I was like, oh, snap, that's right. I did see that, uh, but, I, but I forget what it was. Uh, but, yeah, just lots of little attention to details like that that, that I loved about the damn movie um even if you didn't catch it on your first go like you knew subliminally that it, that it was there based on how they built and put everything together so yeah just all love for the movie uh, pacing was eh, uh, on on some portions uh the heartstring moment was a bit forced but it worked so i can't take anything away from that uh so yeah that's that's my likes and dislikes the movie so again call back i was right from the get-go ha. <laughs> <laughs> i like the movie go watch it yeah, the the Bruno twist I think was a bit telegraphed. I I I don't know if they were intentionally overplaying his sinisterness in the song, but the minute they started having all these songs about Bruno being just the worst and reveling in uh, his fortune telling being awful, I was like, oh, so he's going to be misunderstood. Everyone's going to think that he's manipulating circumstances into these awful futures 
when he's just reading the future. It's not like he's intentionally making these futures happen. Yeah, I, I did. I personally didn't make that connection. Uh, but I know when they when she found the secret uh, the secret hole that lead, led to his room, uh, his second room I should say his hidden room. Uh, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, we're gonna see Bruno. The minute he started running away from her, it's like, oh, he's misunderstood. Like, that's, <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of telegraphed to me, not from beforehand, from everything you to- uh, talked about, but then as soon as he started explaining more of who he was and his character and what he's capable of, that's when it really like. Ding! That, that was the moment. Call me slow, because <laughs> it, it's true. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I see where the telegraph thing comes in. I, I definitely didn't sense it that early, but once once they started throwing it at it, like, oh, here we go. He's he's not a bad guy. Yeah, I got Ralph. I whenever I say that now, you're not a bad guy. You're just a bad guy. <laughs> so yeah, the the Bruno thing I did want to touch on really quick. Bruno, uh, voiced by John Leguizamo of all people. His stuff is heartbreaking because, yeah, like you were saying earlier, he really wants to be part of the family. And I, I'm going to have to go back and watch at least the We Don't Talk About Bruno sequence before I go to bed I'll here. Because, uh, yeah, there. I want to I keep a, a weathered eye and see if I can't find him back there. His whole thing is heartbreaking, too, because you can kind of see that Mirabelle could end up like Bruno, where she's kind of outcast from the family, mm-hmm. despite how badly she wants to be a part of it. And she has nowhere to go so she would just end up living in the casita uh, in secret essentially yep when he has that one plate on the other side of the peephole outside of the the dinner table God, that, that was oh that was just heartbreaking that hurt yeah man you see you're like oh no bruno come here come here for a hug man bruno you can <laughs> sit at my table it's fine <laughs> right man oh that was heartbreaking when i saw that so uh, I think that'll kind of wrap it up for us where it's late for us, or at least it's late for me. I don't know how late Lewis really stays up, but he's got a no kid in the house. So maybe he'll play some video games or finally watch Hamilton. Who knows? No, nah, it's, it's Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> time, man. That, that game's amazing. Go play that too. Let me borrow your copy when you, when I can, and I'll, I'll sure. play it. I'm still trying to play through uh halo breath of the wild. <laughs> I, I, I can't. Every time I, I pull it up, it's like 1130 at night. It's like, I don't want to get in wrapped up in a campaign and go to sleep at 1 a.m. So multiplayer, die for 30 minutes and go to bed. <laughs> I can't do I can't do multiplayer games like that anymore. I am I am beyond that. Uh, not in the sense of like I'm better than it. I just can't handle it anymore. I just would get too frustrated and I don't want to be that way in front of my kids. That's, that's expected. <laughs> that's expected. <laughs> so, yeah, you're here probably doing doing good there. Uh, it's, it's for after bedtime, man. So you're gonna have to find yourself uh, 45 minutes after you just find the strength to stay awake and, and have at it. No, I don't have that's that kind I of do. strength. I need my, I need my sleep. You know? Yeah. You never have, man. You've always been a grandpa <laughs> I've been an old man since I was like 26. I, I, I prefer <laughs> yes, my sleep. <laughs> yes, you have. I can, I can attest to that. Uh, people, I can attest. To that. <laughs> well, Lewis, unless you come back for the next segment, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate your story that you told about uh, you and your your kiddo. That's that is honestly part of the reason why I had you on. Is I I really wanted you to share that because no one's reading an eighteen tweet thread of you and your kid. So <laughs> you <counted>. maybe. <laughs> 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 maybe maybe they'll yeah, listen to a, a 30 minute segment or 40 minute segment of us talking about Encanto and how great it is yeah. and and if i could again i know i, I touched on a few be- beats just to be funny about it but like truly guys like representation matters doesn't matter where it's coming from you know bl- black latino asian so on and so forth like seeing something that makes sense especially to a young a young child you know with my with my son I'm the only one that can give him Spanish. Trying to have him speak it, uh, it's, it's been very hard. English is definitely his dominant dominant language. Um, he doesn't see a lot of his background. Is when he talks to abuela on the on the phone through FaceTime every now and again. It's great when she comes to visit once a year when it's not a pandemic, which means now it's it's once every other year so far. Uh, you know, it's, it's he gets that experience, but there's nothing there for him to to realize who he is. He's already told me word for word. Uh, here, here we speak English, not Spanish. I'm like, no, dude, we 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 speak both. Yeah, trust me. And to see that evoked in him, watching this movie, was f- just mind blowing for me. And same thing. Imagine Miles Morales, superhero, some some not just some a uh, uh, a black a black child, but imagine if it's a Latino Afro child. Like that's that's a double whammy that that Miles is meant for. So it. Just seeing them like, oh my god, I can be a hero too. That stuff matters whether you think 
one way or the other. It really does. Um, and uh, hell, you're from the South. You see someone's represented well from the South. That makes you giddy, right? Same damn thing. So I'll leave it at that. Representation matters. Go watch the movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, I'd love to be back as as, as many times as, as I can be capable of. It brought me back for my podcast, too. So <laughs> <laughs> I told you we'll bring you back into the Talking Smack banner. But no, uh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> all you got to do is say uh, idiots under the talking smack network or whatever the <laughs> jelly bean oh. family network or whatever we're doing. Oh, I don't how, know. F- how far I have fallen. Which was very high. <laughs> I, I fell from like a foot. A, a foot's being generous. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> no, I, I, I'll take honestly, some ice I, I, burn. <laughs> I love your webcomic. I, that, I miss that all the time. I miss seeing your yeah, updates so, on that. So uh, but I. no, to, to just kind of reiterate, that is, again, part of the reason why I wanted Lewis on today was because representation does matter. And I, I would have discussed Encanto either way because I love animated movies. I love animated movies that make you feel things. But after seeing what he had mentioned with his kid and how the the reaction and the emotion that it evoked out of him, it really just lends to talking about how representation matters and what kids see in themselves in these movies and that's why we are seeing different kinds of casting choices that upset some Mm -hmm. people because they aren't white in johnny storm isn't white or johnny storm isn't black in the comics why can't why does he have to be black in in the upcoming movie because his whiteness doesn't matter so Mm -hmm. why why can't this black why can't black kids see themselves in this cool superhero that can turn himself on fire Mm -hmm. so exactly why 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 does a Latino character have to be a gangbanger? Why can't he be the the good guy? You know, why so on and so forth. So yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So uh, again, Lewis, thank you for your time and thank you for sharing that story. And representation matters. And we're going to take a quick break. We are still continuing our project of having ads put in between our segments. So <laughs> please enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> You, uh, you have ads <laughs> no i just i don't know why that tickled me but that tickled me but continue yes sell out <laughs> <laughs> hey we're promoting other podcasts okay we're not selling oh, out charge? i'm not getting paid for this this is this is oh, a okay. legit like project that we're we're doing to kind of boost each other up i retract my guffaw carry on thank you <laughs> Feel bad about this when you go to bed, Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll be right back on the other side of this break. The Cult Worthy Podcast. Your host, Antonio Palacios, will guide you week by week through a bevy of cult favorites, obscure cinema, and hidden gems. Listen to us on your favorite platforms or follow us on thecultworthy.com. The Cult Worthy Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that quick ad from our friends at Casting Views, and I hope you enjoyed the rhyme time that they gave us. I'm flying solo with this last bit. Uh, it'll probably be pretty quick just because I've got life happening. I've got to get to editing and I'm wasting time here just to pad a little bit more, but I'm going to dive right into it. I finally saw Marvel's Eternals and I'm going to talk about it. The way we structure these reviews when we have other people on the podcast talking about these movies is that we like it. We didn't what well, we liked, what we didn't like. And then we kind of talk about, would we recommend this? And then we talk about maybe a little bit of spoilers. There's not a lot we can't really dive into without getting into spoiler territory with this because the advertising was a little weird, but I'll do my best. So what I did like about this movie is the visuals. It it doesn't really look a lot like any other Marvel movie that has been out there recently. It is a lot brighter out than a lot of the other Marvel movies, and I think that is a a really good thing that they did with this movie. Chloe Zhao was the director and she also was one of the four writers on there, five writers on this. Well, Jack Kirby gets a credit on the writing. So four writers with influences from Jack Kirby, because obviously he created the Eternals. It was very different than what I was expecting it to be, which I think again was a good thing. I, I liked that. I did feel like it was engaging. It was very interesting, at least to me, how they kind of, rewrote history with the Eternals being part of it. They're part of Babylon. They uh, eventually part ways and they have their own influences in different parts of the world. It works really well. And Kit Harrington's in this and he actually shows some charisma. He's just not like vacant stare Jon Snow. So that was a really welcome 
surprise plus he will eventually show up in later marvel movies as the black knight spoiler alert if you didn't already know that's kind of teased at the end with the post credits i don't think it's a big spoiler because you don't really see anything it's just more that anyone who doesn't know the character of dane whitman will just kind of be surprised that oh hey they cast a big somewhat big name star to be in this upcoming series or at least team up series because i'm i don't know that the black knight can carry his own movie but marvel has done stranger things so back to eternals so the ensemble just really stands out to me half the the cast really just kind of plays really well uh for me anyway uh for other people maybe it does a little less your main cast consists of madang suck as gilgamesh barry uh i'm I'm pretty sure he's Scottish and uh, I apologize if you hear screaming. My kids are playing right now. And uh, again, I'm trying to get this done quickly. Pretty sure he's Scottish and the um, Gaelic pronunciation is different, but it it, looks like it's spelled Keoghan. Maybe that is uh, Barry Keoghan is Scottish or not Scottish. He's Druig. Uh, Then you've got Lauren Rudoloff as Makari, Brian Tyree Henry as Fastos. Leah McHugh as Sprite, Kamel Nanjalani as Kingo, Selma Hayek as Ajak, Angelina Jolie as Thena, Richard Madden as Icarus, and Gemma Chan as Cersei. For me, the standouts of the cast are, and this is probably completely intentional because of what happens with him, uh, Gilgamesh stands out, you've got Makari, who stands out, which again, probably intentional given that she signs as the actress who portrays her is deaf. Fastos, which again, probably intentional because he actually is Marvel's first openly gay character. And then you also have Kingo, played by Camille Nanjalani, which it's Camille Nanjalani. You're, you're going to get some charisma coming from there. Uh, everyone else just kind of seems to exist to be part of the family. There's not a lot of standout characters among the the primary focus group being cersei icarus to me thena again she her her arc is very single beat it doesn't resonate with me too much and then ajak is the maternal uh surrogate mother character just kind of exists to push the plot forward and kind of call on her kids to to do better essentially the movie kind of bounces back and forth between what happened in the past and how they influenced human development and what's happening in the modern day and the primary conflict that's driving them towards saving the world. Uh, again, not going to get into spoilers as to any of that. All of that works really well for me. I like the flow of the movie. It does feel a little long at points, but I don't think it ever gets boring. That's for me. Uh, I know there's a big mix of reviews from people for this. And for me, I really enjoyed it because I have no prior knowledge of the Eternals other than like four or five comics that I read that were on Marvel Unlimited at the time uh, before I watched this. And so I had a, a basic understanding of what the Eternals are, but it's also the MCU. So they're going to change things up a little bit to keep it fresh and keep people on their toes. And then another thing I really liked about this was just the character design of everything. Uh, you had the Eternals who their super suits, whatever you want to call them. They all looked great. They looked really cool. They looked alien. They didn't look like the standard MCU fare. The Deviants, which they're supposed to be these like grotesque, ugly things. I thought they looked kind of beautiful. Honestly, it was it was really strange. Um, I didn't really like it when they were killed, which minor spoilers. I think that's somewhat intentional because uh, they're they're misunderstood beings to an extent. Uh, the overall, I thought the movie was pretty solid Marvel stuff. It wasn't terrible. I can see where some people think nothing happens. It's a long movie that just deals with a lot of backstory and lore. But if you're kind of like me, where you find that stuff interesting, I'm finding out about this for the first time. So I, I find it a lot more interesting learning about these new characters I will say that the movie does not do a great job of making me actually care about them. So that is a flaw because again, for anyone that doesn't know the Eternals are extraterrestrial beings created by celestials to help advance societies to a certain point of existence. And then from there, they kind of just do their thing. 
one of the things, especially in the comics, from what I've read, is once an Eternal dies, they're kind of like a, a Cylon or a robot or something. Uh, the, the the replicant Cylons um, from the newer Battlestar Galactica, where one dies, another one activates, or like they exist independently of each other. I'm not quite sure. I don't remember. I haven't seen Battlestar Galactica in a while. The idea is that they're called Eternals because... In one way or another, they continue to survive, and their memories are like constantly uploaded. So if, if like say Cersei dies, her memory is uploaded to a, a hive mind database essentially that a celestial controls, and if the celestial so chooses, it can upload those memories into the next Cersei Eternal model or whatever you want to call it. The movie doesn't actually get into these sort of things, but it's something that if you're aware of in the comics, it kind of removes the the threat of or the suspense of death or anything like that. But the movie also doesn't really give you any clear answers on what's happening next with or what happens if they die, when they die. I'll touch on it a little bit. Uh, I don't th- there's not a lot to really not like about this unless you really want to get nitpicky, which I've only seen the movie once. I can't get too nitpicky on it. I didn't care for the character of Druig. He seemed a bit too wishy-washy. Like one minute he is like, yeah, I'm all in on this plan. And then the next minute he's just like, no, I hate humanity. And this is dumb. You're dumb. And his accent really was odd. Cause again, I, I'm pretty sure he's like Scottish. And so there's some like accent com- coming through, but sometimes it doesn't, but it only comes through on certain words. So it's really strange. But uh, to dive into spoilers, the movie takes a really, the movie makes a really weird decision to follow the plot loosely of the fifth Transformers movie, to my understanding. I haven't seen it, which is on one of my live tweet agendas. Essentially, the Earth is a giant egg for a celestial, and the Eternals are there to get rid of the Deviants so that humanity can advance to a certain point of intelligence because the way a celestial grows is not through the warmth of a core planet or anything like that it's or absorbing like the nutrients from uh, vegetation it's through like psychic ability i guess and once humanity advances or a, a society on a planet advances to a certain point the psychological uh, in gestation period gets the celestial to the point where it will burst forth from the planet, destroying it completely and essentially sacrificing the entire civilization of the planet for a celestial to be born. But then they go off and create hundreds of other worlds and other galaxies. And it's kind of the cycle of destruction to, for creation, which is interesting because again, it's expansion is a good thing. Creation is a good thing but it comes at a cost. So there's a give and take with what the Celestials are trying to do. They're not inherently evil, but because of it being set on Earth, the story being set on Earth, we are invested, essentially. So from what I understand about the fifth Transformers movie, Unicron is inside Earth, or Earth is Unicron, something like that. And so at the end of the movie, there's some giant horns sticking out of the Earth, and it's dumb. (laughs) essentially not unicron uh just the concept of the fifth movie so this kind of borrows from it but instead of being a planet-sized some well it is it's bigger than a planet but i don't know it's it was really strange It, it did kind of take me out of it a bit especially once you get to the emergence but it it is done pretty well and i think the the tease of the potential for avengers mountain which if you don't know what that is in the comics Avengers Mountain is a hollowed out celestial that the Avengers found and they create a new Avengers Tower or Avengers Mansion essentially inside this dead celestial, Uh, which again, we're in spoilers. So the celestial is killed by the end of this movie. I don't think that's the most interesting conflict of this story uh, because there's like a weird three pronged finale of the crow, the head deviant that uh, evolves into the sentient being that basically is just there to kill the Eternals because it's a way to get back at the Celestials. And then you have the Celestial trying to burst forth from the Earth. And then you have the twist on the twist, which is 
Icarus is also the bad guy of the sh- of the movie, along with kind of along with Arishem the Celestial. There are so many names in this movie. I'm surprised I'm doing so well at keeping this straight. I don't usually do notes, and I don't have them in front of me other than the fact that I looked up the name Unicron because I was thinking of a different thing, and you can probably guess what it is. But um, Icarus is actually the bad guy. He ends up killing Selma Hayek's character, Ajak, which, to Marvel's credit, I did think that it was either going to be Selma Hayek or Angelina Jolie as the bad guys. Because my line of thinking was in modern day Hollywood, when you have like two or three big stars, you're going to have at least one of them be the bad guy. So you have Gemma Chan, who is confirmed to be like the lead of the show. You have Selma Hayek and Angelina Jolie. So in my mind, Angelina Jolie or Selma Hayek were going to be the bad guys or one was going to be a fake out and the other one was going to be a bad guy. We get about halfway into the movie and it's like, okay, Selma Hayek's the bad guy. She's leading the deviants for something or she's doing something with the deviants and to marvel's credit to chloe zhao's credit they put the twist on it and it's actually richard madden who is the bad guy he's not working with the deviants but he's loyal to the celestial so the plan to kill the newborn celestial is something that he wants to follow through on because that's their mission and because they're loyal to they're supposed to be loyal to the the Eternals are supposed to be loyal to the Celestials, but humanity has kind of softened the hearts of the Eternals to a degree. They're basically alien robots. They don't, uh, they kind of, when the Celestial bursts forth, they just kind of hover onto the Celestial, get reset, and then they go off to the next planet to destroy essentially, or to uh, nurse until the planet can be destroyed. I really hope I'm kind of keeping a straight train of thought without a co-host. This is really hard. I don't know. Well, I mean, I know how YouTubers do it. They and other people, they script things out. I'm not scripting it out. I'm flying by the seat of my pants here. The The story and everything I thought was really good. And again, I thought that the presentation of the movie in general was really good. I can see where people don't like it. I reached out on Twitter, got a couple of reactions. Sorry again, if you hear my dog barking, she's outside yelling at the garbage man. The Your Friendly Neighborhood Gamers podcast commented when I put the call out for thoughts on Eternals. This is something that I kind of, I relate to and having watched it, I, I want to kind of touch on it. Uh, they said, I feel like this may have, they said they, they have no desire to see it. They haven't seen it. Uh, they said, I, I feel like this may be an oversimplification. I'm a big Marvel and MCU fan and still have no desire to see it. Even before the meh reviews, the, the promotional materials didn't really grab me. And I, I 100% agree with that. This was probably my least anticipated Marvel movie ever. I had no prior knowledge of the Eternals before I decided to look them up on Marvel Unlimited, which there's like a scattered collection of them. They have rebooted the franchise in the comics, which I haven't read those yet. The promotional materials for this, I don't know if it was because they were hedging their bets against a uh, another delay due to the pandemic, but I, I completely understand what what uh, your friendly neighborhood gamers are saying here, because it's not a well-known property. The promotional materials were all pretty standard stuff as far as like being intentionally vague and not giving you enough to, to really get you excited. I don't think there is actually a lot in this movie to get up out of your seat and cheer like you would at an Avengers team up or just like a Captain America or in Black Widow where you get new characters like Yelena. There are some good characters in there. Again, Gil and Gomesh really stands out to me as like one of the best characters in this movie. So I, I completely get it. But having watched it, I enjoyed it. I will say that. I'm not going to say that it wasn't. It, it's not a top 10 Marvel movie. Uh, being the 26th, I would say it's probably right in that middle area. It could be in the bottom teens or upper teens for anyone that's seen this, depending on how it rep- how they feel it represents them or how they connected to these characters. Our guy Caesar at the No on 15 podcast, he said, love how different it is compared to many of the other MCU films. The cinematography is top notch. The theme of loyalty is front and center in this one. Big fan of the flick for sure. Again, loyalty. Uh, it was really, that is the main theme is family and loyalty. And what will you choose? Because the Eternals are a family, even though they're scattered across the world, they come back together to try and solve this problem. And it is a, f- a matter of loyalty to family or a lo- matter of loyalty to duty. 
And obviously loyalty to family and love kind of wins out. And it, it's just, it's really good. And it's, there's some really funny moments in this movie too. And they aren't like out of place either. They flow really well. It's a really well-written movie. It just, it doesn't hit those action movie beats as hard as other movies might, like a Captain America or at pretty much any other MCU movie. Those action beats are the main thing where this is more about the story of the Eternals coming together and kind of doing what they do. <laughs> to to be vague about it again. The post credit stuff, the first post credit scene, it, the, the surviving Eternals go their separate ways. Some go out into space to try and find other Eternals to recruit them, essentially, and kind of let them know, like, hey, these Celestials are not as malevolent as we have been led to believe. You have memories that have been locked up by them, and you deserve to know the truth. And if you want to go with us, you can. If you can't, or if you don't want to, cool, we'll fight you some other day. And then Pip, the the dwarf, uh, I think, I can't remember, shows up out of nowhere. And then so does Eros, played by Harry Styles, also known as Star Fox. Not Harry Styles, known as Star Fox. Eros, also known as Star Fox in the Marvel comics. And um, very suave. He seems like he might be a Loki replacement. And uh, if you know anything about Greek mythology, Eros is not to be trusted. So the fact that he swoops in is just very cavalier and just kind of like, I'm here to help you and save you and all this. It's very like, oh, intrigue. And it's very sequel baity, which is a good thing. Um, I think this movie does deserve a sequel. We'll see if it does, even with the Eternals returning part at the end of the credits. Who knows what they actually do with a sequel. And then the second post credit scene is one that <laughs> apparently... Uh, you have to go to like IMDb or deep, deep Reddit to kind of get what happened here where uh, Kit Harrington's character, Dane Whitman, he gets his family's sword because his, again, if you don't know, his uncle was the previous superhero known as the Black Knight. Uh, his powers come from this sword. I believe it's called the Ebony Blade. And when you touch it, it imbues you with the powers of the Black Knight, not to be confused with the Dark Knight. And you get these superpowers. Before he gets a chance to actually touch the blade, he gets interrupted and says, are you sure you really want to do that? And fade to black. So to to just kind of cut to the chase, the mysterious voice, if you haven't already figured it out, or not figured it out, but like searched it out on your own, the, the mysterious voice that is in the uh, subtitles is actually Blade, played by Mahershala Ali. Really interested to see where that goes, because why is Blade there to stop someone from becoming a superhero? And in the comics, Blade is actually British, but obviously they're playing it up to the Wesley Snipes version where he's American. Maybe they'll still say that his mom was British and he was raised in America. Who knows? But there's a lot of building going on in this movie, and there's a lot of building going on in the post credits. And the movie still stands well enough on its own, too. I don't want to take anything away from the fact that this movie does stand well on its own. There is a lot of backstory, but I think it is necessary for this. So I, I would give this a must-see. With the caveat, not that we usually do caveats, there is, you, you need to be prepared for like a Marvel history lesson from this movie. Not that you need to like go in and look up who Dane Whitman is and who all these other characters are and who the, the Celestials are. If you've been following the MCU, you kind of know who the Celestials are through the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. The movie does a good enough job where... If you're familiar enough, or you can become familiar with the characters just through watching the movie. I really don't understand why it's getting so many bad reviews to the point where it's at like 48% critical review on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a, I know it's a, it's basically an approval rating, but 48% seems really low to me. I, I, would, I would have pegged this movie if it was more of like a 60 to low 70s kind of thing. Because it is really trying to be something different. And I think it does it well. But apparently I'm kind of in a semi-majority of like 50% of people. But that's kind of my thoughts. I hope it made sense to you. Flying solo is not easy. I did want to take a quick second to shout out some reviews that we got from the F My Work Life podcast. They left us five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you like comics, movies, pop culture, then this is the pod for you. Josh and guests deep dive into a variety of topics that you just shouldn't miss. Alamo Doctor uh, left a five-star review saying, So I'm getting more immersed in fan culture. This crew breaks down all the coolest news as it comes out. 
They're here for you, which is very nice. And then our buddy Brendan from the Unchef podcast. Josh clearly loves what he does and is really insightful. I don't want to say clearly. I don't want to put words in his mouth. Josh clearly loves what he does and is really insightful in his discussions. You can see a lot of growth here too. His insights and reach keep getting a little sharper and a little farther with each episode. Keep it up. Thank you, Brennan. And then again, our guy Caesar makes another appearance. Uh, love my man Josh. <laughs> love my man Josh's pod here and all his contributors are top notch. Definitely check it out as it covers lots of facets of nerddom and pop culture. You will not be disappointed and they keep it real. Definitely subscribe and check it out. So thank you again, everyone, for these wonderful reviews. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Anchor, and we just really appreciate the community we've built. Again, we had our ad for Casting Views. Definitely give them a look and a listen. They're really good people. We talk with them occasionally, and their podcast is a lot of fun. It's really interesting stuff. Again, drinking game, if you're you're listening and I say interesting, you got to take a shot or at least a swig of your drink. So you can find the podcast on Twitter at Talking Smack Pod. You can find me at Josh underscore Scar on Twitter. We have a YouTube channel that we're not really utilizing at the moment, but you can give us a subscribe. And I think that will do it. Nothing at the top of my head. Nothing else. Thanks again, everyone, for taking the time to listen and take care.